0: Welcome to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we discover how to get stronger together. What's up, entrepreneurs? Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. We have a really cool and unique episode for you today. We are in studio. She has drove here to join us here in wonderful Athens, Georgia. This is going to be an interesting conversation because we've got a very niche business in a uniquely male-dominated field, but a young female entrepreneur growing a business, doing some awesome stuff. If you're interested in boots-on-the-ground customer service, how you partner with your customers, how you hands-on make things awesome, this is going to be the episode for you Anna from Equip, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. All right,
0: so the first thing is, did I even say that right? Is Equip? Is that right? Equip. That is correct. All right, Equip. Yep. I yep. thought I had it right, but I wasn't yep. sure. Um, so I'm excited to learn more. So first off, you let me make sure I get this correct. This is where mm-hmm. I'm going to probably screw this up from the start. You are in a very specialized part of a commercial construction, equipment, vacuum truck dealership that sells in multiple states in the southeast.
1: Yep, yep. So we're uh, an equipment dealership, a municipal equipment dealership, um, sort of in the realm of industrial, civil, municipal. So those are all our realm of customers. But we're in the Carolinas and Georgia, and we have a number of product lines under our umbrella, which is Vacuum trucks and cameras, pretty much anything associated with the underground world or power plants, energy, that sort of sector is what we specialize in. All right. So sales, service, training, all the things.
0: So I'm telling you, if you're not driving or exercising right now, Google (laughs) vacuum truck, because this is the (laughs) biggest, most massive thing ever. Like, I don't know that I'd ever seen a vacuum truck. Mm -hmm. And then when we started working together on the tax side, I'm like researching and I'm like, Who is she? And like, how did she get into this? And like, is this like an inherited business? Like, this is so unique. It's like construction equipment to the massive level. And yeah. now I see these things all the time. Like, I truly saw one, like, the last two days parked in one of the middle lanes here in
1: downtown Athens. You I'm tell like, me where it is so I can go and sell to them. <laughs> I
0: know, right? I, seriously, I was like, oh, it was parked right outside this Waffle House right downstairs. That's a vacuum truck. That's right. So how in the world did you get into this a- and this become uh, something you started from scratch and have built into a massive business in four to five years.
1: Yep. So I was actually, I started my career in the construction business. I was actually in the staffing business and I okay. sort of realized that I love, this is in my twenties obviously, um, I sort of realized that I really liked sales because I realized that sales was something totally different than what I thought it would be. It's customer relationships. It's quite literally having an authentic conversation with someone and providing them a service, right? I thought it was like, oh my gosh, you have to go in and be salesy and this sort of thing. It's not, to me, it was not like that. So I kind of got, you know, where I really liked sales and particularly the blue collar world, And then I met a guy that also had pretty much a startup. It was a Mm -hmm. vacuum truck rental company. At the time, a company called Vac2Go. So it was a vacuum truck rental company who also did high-pressurized water blasting. So very much in the industrial power plant world. And basically we had 32 pieces of equipment. And in the course of like three years, we got to about 200 units. So I was at the ground level of that company and sort of how I got affiliated with sort of being partners with manufacturers was creating those relationships in that rental company or with the rental company. So we were a non-dealer affiliate, vacuum truck rental company, meaning we were buying multiple brands right okay so you, and so I was creating a network with multiple manufacturers they were my friends they were my buddies they were my kind of everyday people and you know there's something to really enjoying what you do and then also partnering with people that sort of merged together in that world and then the opportunity just fell in my lap really I mean it was it's kind of they had a an opening in the Carolinas for a dealership and they said do you want to give this a shot and i was like no this ain't gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna happen and uh i just had so many people nudging me like anna you can do this we this is your passion you know this equipment and you're you know if you want to stay in this industry for a long time here you go have this and so that's basically how it happened
0: that is wild yeah and just fell in your lap when you finally were like, okay, I think I'm going to go this route. And this is, when we were talking earlier, these type of dealerships are pretty historically closely held and not really easily accessible for somebody to start or be a distributor?
1: No you, I mean you're looking at probably my youngest competitor is, is 30 years old. Most of them are you know were started in the 50s and the 60s and some of this equipment has been around since the early 1900s. So all of these people have, I mean this is generations and generations of people that essentially stay in this business and hold on to these businesses for a long time. Yeah' it's, yeah, it's crazy
0: and you're you're almost five years in business
1: almost five years five years in November
0: has it been extremely more difficult than you anticipated or has it been easier how's the what's how's the journey been along the way
1: it's been where I am now is so different like even compared to last year this time I mean it's just it's been so different than what I thought it would be I mean before I was in the rental business. And so it was, you know, fielding 150 calls a day and doing this and that for, uh, you yeah, know. Putting
0: out fires. Yeah, and putting stuff.
1: out fires, <laughs> drive it like you rent it. Like just people <laughs> messing up stuff. And so with that being said, I learned so much on how to communicate with people and how to help people. And so it sort of transitioned me into a little bit of a slower pace environment because it's mostly sales, right? So if we're being completely honest I was a little bored at first because it was like I was covering the I was covering the entire southeast the entire country technically before that and so but now it's totally different I wouldn't say it's slower paced in the slightest and we've done really well with sales Um, straight sales versus rental sales is totally different that Uh personality is different and I love it I enjoy it it's Just it's a different personality. Yeah.
0: And I assume this was, I mean, there's no training that prepares you for this. I assume it's been kind of learn as you go and adapt and figure out trial and error, these different
1: parts of it. I've been so fortunate to be around some of the best people in this industry and being able Mm -hmm. to learn from them, from CEOs of companies to guys that have been in vacuum trucks for 30 years that started off at 17 years old and now are VPs of publicly traded companies. I've I've been around the, all those types of people and I and they're in my close network and so I just feel so grateful to, I, I basically had a lot of mentorships, right? And they've they've just they've been in my network so I, I'm I'm extremely grateful for that okay alright so, this is super interesting yeah, yeah. because
0: god it just I think the initial off the cuff thought is like here's this young female entrepreneur getting into this male dominated older family held type niche yeah. part of these con- commercial construction equipment right I would think it would be the opposite where it's Nobody would want to really take the time to help you get into that. But it yep. sounds like it's the opposite. And okay. so for...
1: Oh, i forced... But in the same sense, like I, it's like, I always give the example of my mechanic who is basically like the fleet manager of vac to go at this point, huh. I always give him as an example. I spider monkeyed him. I made him tell me, what is this on this truck? Why does this happen? Like, you tell me this. I, I mean, and, and I credit too, the owner of our company was a brilliant businessman, a brilliant businessman. And I learned a lot from him too. You just... I was so curious that's that's a huge part of being well it's a huge part of being an entrepreneur but if you break that down to just advancing in life being curious is numero uno
0: I could not agree more it's so interesting you say that because right now we're growing in a couple of my businesses and especially in our tax firm My number one metric behind interviewing and hiring somebody is curiosity. Yep, I have found that is in the what I have existed and been a part of in hiring and training and seeing what worked and what didn't from an employee or manager level. Like that's been the different. That's been the characteristic that determined whether somebody succeeded or not working with us, and it's that curiosity. Yep, 100%. So I never oh, really question. thought about it from the entrepreneur standpoint or the business owner standpoint, but it's even more so important.
1: 100%. So, you,
0: so people are not flocking to help you. You just no, were they're like, like – all over getting what you needed.
1: It, it's like who's this blonde girl that that's <laughs> yes. trying to sell me something? And like, yeah, of course she's going to be stupid. <laughs> and I, I mean, yeah, that's 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 literally the metric that I got walking up to a job site, right? And so I was like, I'm going to show them. But I was I was motivated to show them. And I think you get a, a blank stare from a lot of people, even still. I mean, obviously I've been around. For almost ten years at this point in this industry, but you get um, you get that. I mean, people expect me to not know what I'm talking about. I
0: agree. I bet the shock factor, the uniqueness, and the shock factor turns out to probably be your biggest asset from like the sales perspective and like really being able to stick in the relationship with somebody's mind and connect. It's like you are not what they expect <laughs> that's amazing
1: one of my good customers in Augusta and I also gave this example on another podcast that I was recently so if I don't bore anyone but he always says he's like they just listen to you better because when they <laughs> realize then they realize that you know what you're talking about they're like what she knows what she's talking about, and they just glue. So, yes, that is an advantage. But, you know, you do get the occasional, like, write-offs. Like, you yeah. know, she's just this blonde girl.
0: Do you love the blue-collar industry I part love of business? It.
1: I love it. I grew up in a small town called Reynolds, Georgia. Where is Very that? Very small. I don't even <laughs> exactly. know where <that's> Exactly. That. <laughs> exactly. I
0: thought I knew everywhere in Georgia.
1: <laughs> it is just south of macon in between macon and columbus on highway 96. okay one stoplight you know
0: that's even smaller than my small town i grew up in i think yeah
1: man so but my parents my dad's side of the family they were farmers Mm -hmm. my grandfather had a big fertilizer business fertilizer plant so i grew up er, on the farm riding tractors and like you know riding on the tractor with my dad through town sort of thing you know very just around men all the time all my best friends were men and bo- you know boys as a child and i just i'm used to it i'm so used to the blue collar world and i think i was actually going to be in the in the medical field uh after college and just see that fits. I could see that. You know, <laughs> vacuum truck like, is like shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I mean, I sort of feel like I've found my place. It's so crazy. I mean, I would have never, in a million years, looked forward and thought, "Oh my gosh, she's going to be in the blue collar vacuum truck." Like <laughs> <laughs> so no you,
0: one ever. <laughs> so you didn't even think I want to own a business, I want to be an entrepreneur, any of that stuff. I it never was more thought traditional I would, route.
1: I never thought I would want to own a business. I always thought I wanted to be an employee. I have always been a pretty decent employee. I feel like I loved my previous job. I would, have, I could have stayed there for forever, mm-hmm. uh, and but I just something about this. It just knocked me. Somebody pushed me off the ledge. It was like a hypothetical, <laughs> hypothetical push, I guess. I um. so.
0: I think it's interesting I feel like the blue collar industry side and it's I think the last couple years it's changed a lot but especially back up to five years ago it is such a unique opportunity for somebody that approaches things in a really professional educated side of the blue collar industry and especially from a you know from a business ownership perspective Um, one of my businesses that I own uh, with a partner of mine is a commercial cleaning company and and it's very much a blue collar industry. Yep. And so when we come in and we're very educated in what we do, we dress different than the competition. It's yep. just a completely different exposure than what they're expecting. And it's I mean, the opportunities become tremendously more, I think, when you bring that professional and um educated approach to some of the blue collar side of things. Oh, that's for that's sure. really cool.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think um, there's a fine line of being able to connect with that environment and then also bring it to a different level, right? Yeah. You, know, you have to be able to be on the ground level and be, I always like to say I'm a translator. I'm a translator from an engineer to a mechanic to um therapist like I am (laughs) translating all of these things to simplify and make someone else's life easier
0: so you just touched on what it is (laughs) for me we talked about curiosity the number two thing I think differentiates between successful business owners successful employees it's the second metric I look at whenever I'm trying to hire somebody or partner with somebody is communication yeah I think if you're curious that's number one but communication is so important and being able to communicate in a language that your audience understands, right. whether it's some farmer or whether yeah. it's a business owner or whether it's a salesperson, whatever it may be. And I think that's huge. And that's that's probably one of the most underlooked skill sets out there of yeah. being able to communicate in a way people understand on different levels and be that switchboard.
1: Yeah, they have that's, to understand the end goal, right, of what you're trying to tell them. Like, what's the, what's the overall goal of this conversation, right? Because if it's just haywire here they everywhere and you're trying to fix something it's that's a totally different you got to be able to define that conversation for someone to really truly understand and I'm learning that I don't feel like I'm the best communicator on the planet by any means um, I'm my hair is pretty much lit on fire at all times so like <laughs> even being able to nail me down to answer a question fluidly is is tough and it's probably tougher for my employees than it is for my customers I hate to say that but it's true yeah, I live in so that world, it's, too. Um, I'm, I feel like I have to actively, actively work on my communication and simplifying and being a better translator to them All constantly.
0: Right. So you, I think you kind of beat me to this answer, and I know what you're going to say, but I'll, I wanted to know Do you feel like the level that you communicate, is that something that's like a characteristic or is that a skill?
1: I... I oof, Um both. I don't like. I definitely did not come out of the womb being um, a good communicator. I've always been like a doer, uh-huh. and my dad always taught me show by doing or lead by example, right? And so I've always done that. I was an athlete in college, and so I feel like I'd, I learned how to do that really well. And that was probably a characteristic. But also, when you're raised that way, it sort of sticks, right? Um, Being a good communicator is a skill set that has to be worked on. I don't, like 100%, it's like, um, you know, changing old habits, it's the same, it's the same approach. You have to constantly work on it.
0: Yes, I could not agree more. I feel like so many people, like I struggle with that in my field, in, in the accounting and the tax side, that personality is very introverted, very behind the scenes. It's, I, We're different. We want yep. a different model. We like to communicate. We like to be hands-on. We right. like to be able to be just like you do in your business. We want to take really complicated tax things and make them really easy to understand and be yep. able to communicate back and forth. And I have so many people that are intimidated to consider taking a job with us because they feel like that is like a personality and a characteristic, not a skill set. I'm like, we can...
1: It's a different culture.
0: We can teach communication. You can learn communication.
1: Yeah.
0: You got to be willing to, and you got to want it. But it's, I don't know, so many people, I think, and entrepreneurs as well, feel like, eh, I just wasn't born with that, so I'm not a good salesman, or I'll never like,
1: No, it can all be learned. It's very much a skill set. Absolutely. I was... Mm the quintessential like introverted shy kid put me in sports and I was completely polar opposite. But for the uh, most part, yeah. I was like extremely introverted uh, and yeah, so hundred percent. For, brain- for anybody who wants to be in sales and introvert, it's, it's, it is possible.
0: <laughs> what brings, does competition bring that out of you, you think, or what's it?
1: I, I really think it all goes back to just like learning, being a doer. Uh-huh. I, like that's just how I grew up and I was just motivated to compete. I also think that there is a hair of being around boys my entire life that created this like extra competitive edge with me and it's just a, yeah. It's yeah. like a little flame. <laughs> like, I basically had brothers, like, well, I say brothers. I, I, we're, I'm one of three girls, but we had neighbors across the golf course from us that were uh, three boys, and they were all roughly about the same age as us, and they tortured us. They were all really athletic, and so we had to survive. I mean, we were quite literally surviving. I so I think that's where I got my... I think that's where it all came from. I don't know. That's that's what I think. Yes, I'm no psychologist, but
0: it all makes sense. I like that. All right. So you also, in part of grow. I mean, you have tremendously grown this business, and you have major goals. And you know, when we talk about projections and stuff, I mean, you you just really have a handle on the whole thing and are pushing to another level. And I think part of that is probably a little unique in your business is you're not just pushing for sales, you're very entwined with your customer mm-hmm. in being a partner and hands-on, like boots-on-the-ground training. What? How did you see that connection? I mean, I almost feel like that's more playing the loan game as opposed to just trying to sell something or sell a truck.
1: It's, I think it's a difference between, you know, the person, like I was saying earlier, the personality in rentals is a lot different than, than this personality now. And in rentals, we really learned to prevent problems from happening and we were constantly, we we're constantly in the, in the react reaction mode, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of flight or, f- flight or fight all the time. On the flip side, it was like, how can we prevent some of these problems from happening? And so I learned that truly spending time with people created so much more of, of just long-term relationships i mean you know you think about from from the rental perspective things always break and people don't want to pay for it right but when you have that that's just that's just how it is it just is what it is the people are denying it the operators are denying and it it just it just is what it is (laughs) it's
0: always somebody else's fault
1: right but that sort of ground level relationship of like i'm here to help you i would if you don't know what you're doing Please call me. I will show up to your job site. I will be there. It sort of cre- on the back end it creates a lot less hostility because you have that really strong relationship. So I took that same approach. I just flipped it into new equipment sales. So I just yeah, it was just so a totally different. So you took
0: dip- the rental service model and applied that to the sales dealership side
1: yeah and yeah
0: that's a level of service that doesn't even probably compare to what exists out there from the dealership side right that's super cool now is this a for customers is this kind of a one-and-done purchase or do they come back to you for attachments and other equipment or other trucks or services on the trucks how does how does your industry work from a repeat business standpoint
1: so from the perspective of like buying parts obviously parts on these trucks I mean these are you know half a million dollar trucks and they're wearable items I mean you're vacuuming in you know metal on metal and all Mm, that so it's um, all sorts of wearable items but yeah the service side is a really big part of it. Um, The biggest struggle for me is that my product lines are very good very very good and so also I've only been in business for (laughs) yeah I mean that's people laugh but like you look at the look at dealerships look at a car dealership
0: oh the service is where they make all the money the service facility is a
1: 20 million dollar facility and then you got the car lot where the where the cars are being sold right you have this big pretty room whatever but um yeah service is
0: the money maker
1: service is the money maker and you know that that's been a struggle initially because again we're only five years in business the equipment hasn't been on the ground for that long but um, yeah that's that's the big part of the business and you know we are uh, we've made a lot of effort to create service plans for people and you know camera servicing all sorts of things we added more product lines and uh, but yeah that's that's a that's a big piece of the puzzle it will be much bigger for me, over the next coming years, when equipment starts to get some age on it, so yeah. I, I'm actually excited about that. I hate to say that because my customers are <laughs> like, I can't believe you said that, but it's it's the truth. It's true. Yeah. It, you know, when you have such a great product and you can say those words, that should be the part that they're listening to. You know, yeah. so um, we we do have really great products. So I'm proud it. of that. Heck yeah! And it's so
0: I mean it's so hard to grow a business from scratch. Um, especially in a in a very niche industry but you've been able to do that and and grow it phenomenally and most businesses don't I mean what 90% of businesses don't make it year five yeah and here you are thriving what's been the most challenging part of that what's been your biggest obstacles and what do you think's been kind of the the most beneficial thing to get you here
1: I would say over the past year, supply chains really started to hit us and that was probably the tough part. So as a young business, you know, you really, cash flow is super important and, you know, we're doing really, really well. We sort of, as opposed to really focusing on these big equipment sales and these really big margins, we actually had to really focus on smaller ticket items. And we actually, from 2021 to 2022, flip-flopped that and almost met our big equipment numbers and our accessories so having to sort of revert your mind to okay this small stuff is what really really matters right now and eliminate the supply chain having to sort of change the neurotransmitters in the brain to have to not focus on big big margins was that was the probably the challenging part
0: oh interesting yes yeah, had yeah. to be very fluid and kind of figuring that out
1: i mean it was a function of you know getting on the ground with these smaller ticket items yeah i mean when, the backlog only looks so great for so long you know you yes we're getting a ton of purchase orders for our big equipment and we i could not ask for better sales on that side but when you have one year lead times, sometimes year and a half long lead times. Uh, you can't focus on that. You gotta, right. you gotta figure out how to keep that rolling in the background and keep it moving, right? And then, but you also have to put your focus elsewhere, and that's challenging. That can be really. It changes your whole model. That's your whole business personality, it right? Does that is a yeah.
0: major flip really fast? And I'm, yeah. is that something did you? Is that just as a business owner? It's just I am on trial and error this and see what happens, or are you like? Asking your customers? Are you watching what competitors are doing? How did you arrive at?
1: It was forced. (laughs) Just survival. It's survival mode. It really (laughs) is. It's forced. I mean, I, of of course, you know, you have, we're, we're used to selling these accessories and smaller ticket items and things like that. There's a whole, a whole lot of them. And so it wasn't like we had to specialize in something different, right? It was just a function of spending more time outside and yeah. focusing on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and not being afraid to no. I guess get out there and get no. after it and nope. be a doer. Nope. no, I, I yep, love that. That's right. From a entrepreneur from a business owner perspective, what drives you are, do you is it are you working for growth, for freedom or is it the money side? Is it uh,
1: I I mean, of course you money is is the great ultimate goal, but I think Chasing that is something that can be more of a hard life, <laughs> if that makes sense. That creates a little bit I more. Hundred percent s- agree with that. It's <laughs> very well put, actually. I um, my pa- I, I literally I love what I do, and uh-huh. I love being in front of people. And m- most importantly, I think I really like teaching and training people and being sort of side by side with them. It just, to me, it it energizes me. But on the flip side, I love talking about equipment. Like I (laughs) love kicking tires and talking about equipment. I love, I think what happened in the rental world, like I was saying earlier, is that I had this like kind of bird's eye view of all of these different equipment and I was able to sort of say, okay, hey, this one compared to this one and this piece, this here and this. I was able to compare it, right? And I think now that I have all of these pieces together and you sort of under, understand the engineering and the mechanics behind really, truly quality equipment, I love to kick tires and talk about it. I love it. And it, it just, it makes me happy. It makes me happy. It That's really does. amazing. You know you're helping people
0: make huge decisions and buy quality products that's you know you talk about growing up in a small town and stuff um, i grew up in a really small town and my family i don't know why it's my family was awesome but my family did not buy based on quality mm-hmm. they bought based on like price and quantity yep. so it took me like truly like i was probably in my 30s before i'm like i can quit buying like dozens of crap pieces of equipment or product and buy i can spend more and buy a quality piece it's going to last 20 years whether it's a a, a big piece of equipment or a weed eater and so there's such a drastic difference in stress level and stuff you deal with and frustration over quality versus just something that works right now
1: that's right i mean that's that's the biggest sort of sales pitch for some of my product lines where it's like okay let's just use the city of Charlotte for example at this point you guys have you know software systems and all of this tracking on what you're spending on all of this equipment you know but you should know basically off the top of your head how much you're spending on this stuff on the back end if I can prove to you that you're gonna spend X less aren't your ears perking up? This is taxpayer money.
0: Yes, absolutely. You would think so. Not only that, the time. My God, the time you save.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, for me, and and also, too, just being able to say, okay, hey, this, the piece of equipment that you had before is not really working for you. Let's try this. Let's add this. That, that goes back to the boots on the ground part. Is like, if you don't truly understand exactly what these people are doing every single day because this because athens georgia is different than atlanta georgia and atlanta Mm -hmm. georgia is different than douglasville georgia if you don't know what's going on in their little town like how are you helping them you know we really these us as equipment people and you can apply this to other industries as well we're here to truly be a resource that is it we are not in sales. We are a resource. And if you don't think about it that way, then you're in sales for the wrong reason. As I, I 100% yes. agree with that. Like That is my passion
0: <laughs> statement. So <laughs> many people don't realize that or are scared to trust that. I felt just like you thought going in yeah. and me too. I thought like, I would have never said I'd, I would be in sales. Or, like, sales are just icky and it means yeah. you're talking people into stuff and you're calling and knocking on doors yep. and trying to convince somebody to do something really fast it's just yep. but it's not sales are relationships sales yep. are helping connect people with the education of what they need and making yep. them help them make the right decision but so many people don't trust sales people they're like hey you're just trying to get me to buy a more expensive one
1: yeah it's like that makes
0: you want to pull your hair out it's like you, you know, gotta explain most yeah. Business owners, most salespeople are trying to help you make a good decision. Most of yeah. yeah.
1: I, you would hope so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and well, I know people some. in my business that don't. <laughs> They're yeah. just selling something off the shelf because they need their bosses, like, we need you to clear quotas. this off the books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get it off the books. So, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's different. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think it's super interesting how all that works from a, uh, it, be, it becomes a lot less sales and just a lot more relationship and communication when you involve quality products and you don't put yourself in a situation where i gotta sell something today to pay my bills um, you're in a position to i want to help people make the right decisions i want to educate them i want to teach them and continue to do that after the sale yep that's even more unique and rare yeah so yeah yeah, and that's
1: hard too i mean it like one of the hardest parts of our job is is follow-up right and we're all we're all a little bit guilty of it but yeah follow up and after the sale is is really really important but just you got to make them your every day y- you know even if you're scared to call them and them complain about something that they don't like doing that day like you just still got to you got to do it <laughs> you got to do it
0: so you love the vacuum truck side and the equipment side and mm-hmm. do you think if you were to be placed in a sales position in anything else that you would still crush it like whether it was cars or computers or whatever you think that you've learned now the yeah. pieces to like you know what i think i could thrive and
1: i do i definitely don't i wouldn't ever want to be in some sort of corporate sort of scripted environment right yeah. but and but yeah i mean i think that i think that i could go and do sales anywhere yeah i do but again i just found what you love yeah I found what I love and the
0: most random thing <laughs> the ever, most
1: random like. industry <laughs>
0: ever <laughs> I'll tell you I get excited now when I see vacuum trucks, I, yeah I know what they are. I still don't know what th- really they do. I know what they are. I can tell you. And they're like <laughs> massive. So, yeah, let's. What the, just real quick, what does a vacuum truck do? I guess it's owned by the cities or yeah, or municipalities cities, mostly.
1: Cities, contractors. So there's actually a lot of different types of vacuum trucks. Okay. And we could be uh, here probably all day talking about the different types. Yeah,
0: I don't want to do that. I just, just want to know a little bit about, hey, what do those things do?
1: Yeah, so. Because they're massive. Why do they got to be so big, too? They Jesus. Gotta, they got to hold the debris that they're vacuuming. But, okay. Um, so the two, the main two types of vacuum trucks that I sell are what we call a municipal combo truck, mm-hmm. and that is probably what you saw. And they actually have the big boom on the top and the really big hose reel on the front. It kind of looks like an elephant trunk with a yes, big hose reel. Yes, they all sorts of stuff. To yeah. It, yeah. So those trucks are actually designed to clean sewers and storm drains. Um, okay. They essentially the big hose reel on the front. It has high pressure water that comes out of it, of a nozzle. It goes into the pipe, it cleans it, and then it vacuums up all of the stuff. Yeah, it, can be, pipe. it can be anything from poop to rocks to gravel <laughs> to lift stations. It's literally keeping the toilets flushed, okay. basically. So right. we're a basic function of life, I like to say.
0: Seems pretty important.
1: And then the other really big part of the industry is what we call hydro excavation, which just is like the cool part, you know. <laughs> I still think the combo trucks are very cool. But the cool part is these big trucks that actually dig with high-pressure water. So, like, let's just say, you know what call eight one one is, um, uh-huh. which is, yeah. like, you can't, like, dig hotline, put a hop yeah. shovel in your yard if you want to mm-hmm. dig a new flower bed or whatever. But – You know, big picture is like when the University of Georgia wants to build a new building and they need to go before they break ground, they need to figure out where all the water lines are, the gas lines and that kind of thing. And so these, as opposed to using like a big yellow iron excavator, which could potentially damage a water line, damage a gas line, our trucks actually go in and dig with high pressurized water. They locate the water line, the gas line and all that stuff, excavate it. And then you don't have to worry about the big kaboom.
0: So I think you're taking me back to my childhood here. Yeah. yeah. When I took the water hose and jammed it in the ground (laughs) and it dug a hole. Like that's essentially what these things do on a bigger level. Yep.
1: Yep. That's exactly (laughs) it. That's exactly it. So it
0: sounds like you don't have to worry about your industry changing a whole lot or AI taking over no. in the functions that a vacuum truck uh, handles on a day-to-day basis? We do
1: not. <laughs> we absolutely do not. The size and the weight and, you know, electrification is probably going to change our industry a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's going to be pretty hard to power uh, a big vacuum truck with batteries. So that's probably that's that's where um, we'll see some changes there likely. But other than that, no, our business is not going anywhere. The toilets don't stop flushing and the lights have to stay on. So (laughs) (laughs) it just is what it is. I love it. (laughs)
0: Seems pretty uh, sustainable Mm -hmm. um, in all environments. Um, And so with that, what what's the future hold for Equip? What's what do you see for the next five years?
1: I would I would love to add a, a rental fleet as a mm-hmm. different pathway. That's sort of um, my bread and butter, my heart and soul a little bit. I do I do miss the rental side, so I, I definitely want to add some some rentals. Uh, you know we just took on the state of Georgia last year. so I'm gonna see some growth in Georgia. Probably have a brick and mortar here at some point. We've pretty much hit the ground running really, really strong in Georgia stronger than I thought actually. So when that equipment starts to hit the ground, I fully anticipate Georgia being a massive market for us. Right now, the Carolinas are really cooking. So um, yeah, just...
0: All right. this interesting on. you bring... Uh, God, I feel like we're cursed as entrepreneurs, <laughs> all of us. You're Just like, oh, the rental business is like fires mm-hmm. and dealing with problems. And somehow as an entrepreneur, you're like, yeah, I want to get back in that. Yep. So, that's that entrepreneur curse, I feel like. Right? Mailbox
1: money. Got to have the mailbox money. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Well, that, that's awesome. All right. So this is the part of the episode where we do our max out moment we get a chance to share with our audience, if we could leave one tip, mm-hmm. one piece of advice, if you don't take away anything else from this podcast, something to help our entrepreneurs out there and get stronger, what would that be? What's your max out moment?
1: My big advice would be, and this is it's actually kind of strange coming from someone who is in sort of the in the blue collar world, and that advice is to stay creative. You know, most people use the word creative to go and paint a painting or to, you know, match color palettes, et cetera, et cetera. But breaking creativity down to a very basic level has a lot to do with our personality and our thoughts and um, breaking old habits. And if you can't find a way to sort of change your personality over time, I was listening to something last week and it was like 90% of your thoughts from today are 90% of the thoughts that you thought yesterday. And you think about that over time. Do you want those same thoughts that you thought about yesterday to happen in five, 10 years? Well, you're, you're essentially making that happen. So getting creative around creating a new you is the basic level of creativity, right? It applies to a very foundational level.
0: I love that. I've never heard anybody talk about applying creativity to yourself as a person and your thoughts and stuff. And you're exactly right. Yeah. I don't want to be the same person in five years. I don't want to have the same thoughts. I don't don't want to have the same business in five years. If I don't adapt and change and get creative, we're going to die. We're not going to it's not going to survive.
1: If I'm the same person in the same business in a year, we have serious issues. Yeah, it's like,
0: shoot me now. What is going wrong?
1: But I, I credit Ed Milet to that a little bit because I heard him say that. And you talk about max out moments. And he's like, hashtag yes. max out. He's the max out Level guy. Up, max out, and yeah. he's always saying, you got to stay creative. And like people people look at you with a blank stare if they're not in the creative world. And they're like, what do you mean by that? And it's there's a very basic foundational portion to the definition of creativity that applies to you as a person and your habits and your personality.
0: Yes, <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. And 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 honestly for me is exactly like you're talking about the way I stay creative I'm, i like to stay open-minded i like to stay creative i like to always make things better but all of that comes from like podcasts just like we're listening yeah, to podcasts that's right having guests on podcasts listening to ed milette i mean needs ed milette alone has probably changed the trajectory of my life just through listening to podcasts 100%. and like getting me to think things in different ways or hear guests and other business owners entrepreneurs talk about different angles and that's um yeah that's probably the best max out moment we have ever had oh that's like real deal (laughs) thank you that's something everybody can do it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in i mean you 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 have proven that to be the case i mean you're a young female started from scratch a some sort of huge vacuum commercial (laughs) truck type business. (laughs) business. Thing. <laughs> that's the most, I don't even know anybody else in the world that even know, has that type of business. And so it's, I mean, that's creative on, on the highest level. And so that I love that Max Out moment. That Thank is you. something all of you out there this weekend can think about yourself and your business of different ways to be creative. And not only that, every single day how to be creative. If yeah. you just, if you get up and you end up in the fires and you end the day without thinking about how to make things better fix problems or fix yourself or change your thoughts or just have a different angle then every day is going to be the same
1: getting caught up in the external stuff is just not what you need to do
0: here's where it all kind of connects for me on that creative and kind of not being the same person or the same uh, tomorrow or five years from now um i saw a quote one time god it 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 changed my life it resonated with me on that side of uh, a guy named rob sharma he said, I don't want to live the same year 75 times and call it a life. And I was like, that is like yep. everything I believe. Yep. Like I do not want to be the same or have the same experience, the same life over and over and over for 75 years.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I heard this line uh, too a couple of days ago. It was like, your personality is your personal reality. And it's like, I don't know why that kicks you So hard, but it's like again, it goes back to the thoughts and changing your thoughts. Like, you know, maybe you were not a confident person 15 years ago, and that's still lingering, you know, 20 years from now. Like, what, you know, what, like, (laughs) yes, you don't want that to be, you don't want to have the same personality your whole entire life. That's your personal reality, it's Mm -hmm. literally your everyday reality. You are creating that for yourself,
0: yeah, and I think for both of us. I love where I'm at right now. I yeah. love this season of life. I love who I am. I never thought I'd be where I'm at right yeah. now, but I don't want to be like this tomorrow or Mm-mm. next year or the next year.
1: A hundred percent, not. <laughs> oh, I love
0: it. So many good takeaways from today's episode. There's so many of those episodes that people listen to over and over and over. Aww. And like, I'm over here just super excited. Want to talk more, but we gotta leave enough on to to chat next time and just continue to. To talk about kind of business and different entrepreneurship and where things are at. Where do people follow you at? Where do they connect with you? Where do they find out more about your business and vacuum trucks and Equip?
1: So I have an Instagram. It's Equip Co. Uh-huh. and or at Equip Co. And then I don't use like Facebook or anything like that a lot. I really love instagram and videos and great photos we actually just did a media content day with build whip media so you'll see some really cool content here pretty soon on probably linkedin uh anna johnson on linkedin and then equip on on linkedin as well but but, yeah, look out for some cool new content. We did a lot of videos with them, and they came out in the field with us, and just it was fun. It was awesome. Trying can't footage. even
0: imagine the content of yeah. it, what <laughs> it's going to be like with these trucks and job sites and all sorts of cool yep. stuff. You you guys have got to check that out. Well, This has been amazing. It's been an awesome conversation. I've learned a ton. I'm excited to listen to this again and again. And just thank you for joining us today and be a part of the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: All right, everybody, go out there. <laughs> get curious get creative have an awesome weekend and we'll see you next week thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the stronger business podcast we're excited to come to you again next week with more tools and tactics to help you get stronger in your business and in your life check us out on instagram at stronger business or follow us Uh, On our website at strongerbusiness.com. Have an awesome rest of your day and we'll see you next week.